0: Hey, welcome to another episode of consumer protection and you with ryan lippi ryan is the consumer educator with the office of the attorney general's dave yost office ryan lippi is going to be talking today about consumer protection scams Welcome back to another episode of Consumer Protection and You with Ryan Lippi. Ryan Lippi is a consumer educator in the consumer protection section of the Office of Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost. Ryan, it is a pleasure talking with you. Ryan, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Um, I've been with the office for about seven and a half years, and I'm an educator, which means during... Uh, times when there's not a pandemic, I am traveling around the state of Ohio giving presentations on issues like identity theft, senior scams, cybersecurity, and making sure Ohioans know their consumer rights. Uh, during times when we have a pandemic, like now, as I'm as we're taping this, um, I am doing virtual presentations all over the state. So I'm, I'm actually here at home, working from home, as most of our section is at this point. And my background is speech communication and political communication. So I've spent many, many years in government government service and in politics talking about lots of different policy issues and things of that nature. The great thing about working at the consumer protection section is we deal with everything that impacts whether consumers are safe in the marketplace. So whether it's buying something at the mall or buying something literally around the world, uh, you have consumer rights. It's an important to know that as an Ohioan, um, all of these organizations and all these businesses and merchants have to follow what's called the Consumer Sales Practices Act. So when they do business or when they're advertising to do business, trying to attract you as a customer, they need to comply. And we are always on the lookout and vigilant about about trying to figure out whether they have unfair business practices, whether they're being unscrupulous and whether they are doing right by consumers. And a lot of times that means making sure that we're able to resolve consumer complaints appropriately. And sometimes it involves lawsuits. Of course, we are the attorney general's office. So we have plenty of cases that rise to the level of actually having to go through a court process.
0: Can you tell the listening audience a little bit about Dave Yost?
1: Uh, Dave Yost, sort of his mantra for the Ohio Attorney General's office is protecting the unprotected. So as you can tell by that, we have a lot of consumers out there that may have been damaged or harmed, um, especially monetarily, by a business out there that is not being fair, that may be violating the Consumer Sales Practices Act. He has a strong, strong background. Obviously, he's a lawyer. He was the Delaware County prosecutor for a time. He's also been a reporter. So as a non-lawyer, he was a reporter for the old Columbus Citizen Journal. But most recently, he served as the auditor of state and now the attorney general of the state of Ohio. And he's about two, two and a half years into his first four year term as Ohio's 51st attorney general. And as many of you might recall, the past attorney generals have included folks um, like Lee Fisher, Tony Celebreze, um, Mike DeWine, um, um, lots and lots of familiar faces out there that have since gone and, and done other things to help out their public service.
0: And you are a part of the uh,
1: consumer protection section. Yeah, we basically are there to protect consumers in the marketplace. So we have a variety of people on staff. We have about 70 people, most of whom are in Columbus, Ohio. We do have um, a scattering of folks that are in Cleveland and Toledo and Cincinnati. But the majority of folks at this point are working remotely, especially with the pandemic. And so they do everything from litigation of matters that rise to the level of having to be in a court system and subject to a lawsuit where where consumers are owed money by a business usually, and they have not done the right thing and have failed to refund that money or failed to follow the law. Um, Then we also have specialists on staff to do the everyday complaint resolving. And that's where we have, we get about 24,000 complaints a year into the consumer protection section from all across Ohio, where consumers feel like they have been wronged. And so where they have been wronged, we try to go in there in a non-legal basis, instead of just filing suit over everything, We actually have to go through. And if it's just one person complaining about one specific incident, um, we're not going to sue. We're going to go through the informal dispute resolution process where we go through and tell the business the consumer side of the story. We try to be fair to the consumer and the business. Obviously, sometimes there are cases where the business is in the right and there are plenty of cases where the consumer is in the right. And then, of course, you have a lot of cases where there's a gray area. So maybe the consumers do a partial refund or some of the work has to be completed or done over again. But we deal with everything from travel plans to people's electronics that they purchased, landscaping, home improvement projects, automobile repair and automobile sales, advertising. If somebody's offering a buy one, get one free sale, we're there to make sure that the, the merchant didn't double the price of the first item overnight just so they could pretend that you were getting something for nothing. Uh, We get a lot of consumers complaining about, uh, especially home improvement jobs that go bad. Uh, We get lots and lots of complaints, especially with the folks that go door to door claiming they're going to trim trees, claiming they're going to replace gutters or shingles. And they're out to no good. They just want to take a large deposit to put down on the job and then they end up never doing the job. They might even change their phone number. They might stop returning consumers phone calls. So the ones you really have to watch out for in my history is the ones that have to resort going door to door. Plenty of problems elsewhere in the economy with those that actually do advertising and the ones that have proven their legitimacy. But the ones you got to watch out for on an everyday basis are the ones that knock on the door that you've never heard of before. And you really need to research with the attorney general's office, with the Better Business Bureau, with friends and neighbors to make sure that they're legitimate and not out to scam or harm you as a, as a resident of Ohio. There are lots and lots of cases where it's not actually a scam, where someone's not necessarily being completely defrauded, but maybe they just don't see eye to eye with the business. Or maybe it's completely different and the business is misleading consumers through their advertising, or they're not giving rain checks when they should be giving rain checks, or they're uh, charging an egregious amount of money for a layaway and not upholding their end of the bargain. Um, We see lots and lots of cases involving cars. In fact, motor vehicles is our number one complaint category at the Ohio Attorney General's Office between the old cars being sold, used, the new cars that are subject to the Lemon Law and um, car repairs. Uh, that right there, those, those types of categories are, are subject to lots and lots of complaints. And that's our number one complaint area right now is, is motor vehicles. So we at the Attorney General's office actually have a used car buyer checklist that you can get through ohioprotects.org. And you can just go through that checklist front and back and make sure you're doing all your due diligence before you buy your used car. A lot of cars are sold as is with no warranty, so that means that typically the problems with that car are now inherited by you, and you don't have an automatic right to return a car, a used car, just because it may have more problems than you expect, or just because you didn't want it to be you um, want you didn't want it to be less than perfect. So the due diligence is on the consumer to make sure they do their homework, they cross their T's, they dot their I's, and that they have the right dealership and the right car for them. And sometimes it's a matter of taking down the vehicle identification number, doing some history searches on the internet, having an independent mechanic look at the car in person to make sure, and to never buy a car without seeing it in person. We have people that lose money to scams where someone posts photos and claims they have a car and just never shows the car to anyone, never, n- never has the car, never had title to the car, and they simply take deposits on the vehicle and run away. So we certainly don't want that worst case scenario for someone who's trying to buy a car.
0: So does that sort of follow the Consumer Sales Practice Act? Just what is that?
1: There's a whole host of different situations that fall under the Consumer Sales Practices Act. It's a ton of different sections that puts together almost like the Bible of consumer protection for Ohio law. So where something is Consumer Sales Practices Act violated, that means that someone has set down um, something that's unconscionable it's an unconscionable business practice or an unfair business practice that usually has been done before. And it's already been found to be in violation by a judge of the Consumer Sales Practices Act. So all that information is part of what's called the public inspection file. And so that gives merchants and businesses and consumers free knowledge of what what is tantamount to a violation of that Consumer Sales Practices Act, and it shows if you're a business, a court's gonna uphold the law, hopefully, and make sure that you are are prosecuted and held to justice if you are not um, holding up the Consumer Sales Practices Act, and if you are, in in certain words, Constituting an unconscionable business practice within your uh, within your setting.
0: Well, let's let's talk a little bit about you know the COVID nineteen pandemic. What kind of uh, COVID
1: nineteen scams are there? We're seeing a lot of different scams. A lot of them might be ploys for identity theft to try to get your social security number. They might be ploys to tell you, for example, that you can jump the line and get a COVID-19 shot right away as long as you furnish personal identifiable information. Or pay money. As we know, most of these COVID-19 shots are paid for by insurance or paid for through uh, public services. And if somebody wants money to try to get you in line to be a recipient of a vaccine or a test, that's a sign that it may not be on the up and up. There's no way to really jump the line or cut the line. It's all being rolled out as we speak. There are certain age groups, as we're talking now, the age group of 75 and above and 70 and above are sort of getting ready or scheduling appointments or going through with with the vaccine. It's going to get younger and younger as time goes along. But if someone um, is, is telling you that you can get a shot out of line, or that you can pay money and get a better shot, or if they say they have secret doses that you can't get anywhere else of a COVID vaccine or a COVID test or a COVID serum, you definitely want to um, red flag that and report that to the Ohio Attorney General's office or to the local county health department, because those are the kinds of practices that unscrupulous practices that we are determining whether those might be COVID-19 scams, in which uh, some cases it's just a matter of trying to get money out of somebody or trying to get personal information to steal their identity.
0: The Ohio Attorney General's Office has a variety of different videos on fraud, and one of the a series of videos that you have on COVID-19 is on related identity theft, gift card scams, and related red flags of a scam. So here we're going to play one on uh, identity theft.
2: These are the Clarks. This year, they're doing things to stay safe during the pandemic. But when Ken Clark receives an unexpected call from someone offering a new machine that kills the COVID virus instantly, he's very interested. The caller then tells Ken there would be a charge for this new and novel product. But if Ken gives him his social security number, he would see if insurance would cover the cost of the machine. Ken isn't sure about giving out his social security number, but doesn't want to miss this opportunity, especially if insurance will pay for it. So he gives the caller his information. As soon as he gives out his information, though, he realizes it may have been a bad idea. And weeks later, he knows it was a bad idea when no product ever shows up. So what can Ken do? First, he should see if any fraudulent accounts have been opened in his name by checking his credit report at annualcreditreport.com. Free credit reports are being offered weekly through April 2021. He may also consider placing a fraud alert on his credit file by contacting one of the big three credit reporting agencies or even adding a permanent security freeze by contacting all three agencies. For help with identity theft, contact Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office by visiting ohioprotects.org.
0: I always thought that it would be very easy to see someone uh, who's trying to scam you? But many of these
1: people are very, very good. Absolutely. I mean, they're in. You know, a lot of them are in other countries. A lot of them. Ha- a lot of them have this as their profession. They spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, applying their trade. So they are savvy. They may not make any mistakes in terms of grammar and English usage. Um, they may be very savvy and know exactly what to say when you react, hey, I think this is a scam, or who is this really? Um, they, are, they are doing something illegal, and they obviously um, are up to no good, but they're able to talk a good game. And so when they, when they pretend to be Social Security, when they pretend to be um, the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, When they pretend to be from your doctor's office or pretend to be from your um, credit card company, you may actually believe them for a while because they are um, they are very adept at their at their at their trade. Obviously, we wish they went some we wish their lives uh, led somewhere else and not to scamming Americans. But um, unfortunately, it's difficult sometimes when you're in the middle of a phone call to really determine whether something's a scam or not. They try to get you thinking off, you know, off the off the charts. They try to make sure that they shake you up a little bit. So they may put pressure on you. They may tell you you're going to go to jail if you don't do what they say. They may put pressure on you and say that you're the subject of a lawsuit. Lots of things can come out of the mouths of a, of a scammer when all they want from you is money or personal information.
0: Just just recently, I, I received a phone call from Microsoft, who is a technician, who said that my computer had a major virus and he was there to assist. Yeah. And um, that's when I hung up on him uh, because... We know Microsoft does not keep a list of, of what you are doing. Uh, they, they do not know what computers that you have. Right. But I, I, I found that rather interesting. That, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, one, uh, they, of the major, one of the major scam areas right now is tech support scams or the so-called Microsoft scam because a lot of times they impersonate Microsoft or they impersonate a legitimate tech support company claiming your computer as a virus. The red flag there is when you get a call out of the blue. Unless you're calling somebody or unless they're sitting at your computer working on it, they're not gonna know if you have a virus, but they try to take um, advantage of the fact that for a lot of us, our computers do react slowly. They may or may not have a virus, but they may act up quite a bit. Even even my computer that I use at work acts up quite a bit, and we have our own information technology solutions area of our office to repair all these computers. So if you get a call out of the blue or if you get a warning message on your computer claiming you have a virus and to call a toll-free number, you know it's a scam. Those are simply portrayals of the tech support scam trying to get into your computer to download malicious software to steal information and to steal your money.
0: Now that we're in the COVID-19 I think we can sort of assume that when someone calls from uh, social security or medicare uh, that generally unless we prove to ourselves uh, that they are calling on on our behalf
1: it may not necessarily be true. Right, and what they do is they, the scammers will use internet dialing, and they'll call very cheaply to other countries, including our country, and they also use caller ID spoofing, which is technology that they put to use to hide the, call, the number they're actually calling from. So they may choose to put down a 740 or a 614 area code phone number to put on your caller ID, So that you think it's a local phone call or they may choose to put 202 down as the area code for Washington, D.C. So you believe that it's Social Security or the White House or the Veterans Administration or some some business or or government organization, you know, is Washington, D.C. related. They can even put 911 on your caller ID screen when obviously they don't work at, at the emergency s- center like that. So caller ID spoofing is alive and well, and it's primarily used by scam artists.
0: Yeah, we know that scam artists are, are interested in money. Uh, you know, Primarily how they're gonna be able to get money out of you. And there's only a few ways that we can really pay the scammers. Uh, one of them is with check. One's cash, one's uh, uh, online banking services, etc. What have you found to be the best way that scammers
1: are going to try to get money out of you? A lot of times they want a method that's not traceable, that's fairly anonymous. So what we do is we see these folks using MoneyGram or Western Union or other types of money, um, money services. So the wiring money is very common within the scam industries. So um, they'll go and pick up, the, um, they'll pick up the money fairly anonymously, and they go out the door and it's likely that you'll never see your money again. Another way they like to apply their trade is through the currency of gift cards. If somebody asks you for a Google Play card or looks at you for a, play, a vanilla reloadable money card or an Amazon gift card, they're likely a scammer if they're not affiliated with the company the gift card is from. Another way that they like is, you know, certainly they like cash as well. But the easiest way for a scammer in another country to get your money and my money is through a money card, a gift card, or through wire transfer service.
0: Well, as a matter of fact, you have a, a video on that. Let me play that for you.
1: Great.
2: The clerks are good at taking precautions to protect themselves from the pandemic. But when Ken Clark receives an unexpected call from someone offering a new machine that kills the COVID virus instantly, he's very interested. The caller explains the machine is normally $1,000, but Ken can get it for $500 if he purchases it very soon. Ken tries to pay by credit card, and the caller makes up a reason why he can't accept his credit card, but he can accept gift cards. The caller also tells the Clarks not to tell anyone about this offer. After all, they don't want the machines to sell out before they can buy one. Katie heads to the store, where a concerned cashier observes that Katie is buying a lot of gift cards. Do you mind me asking why so many gift cards? The cashier asks. Katie would rather not say. Not to pry, but you do know the person you're sending these cards to, right? The cashier persists. Katie, remembering the caller's warning, brushes off the cashier's concerns and insists on buying the cards. Back at home, the Clarks relay their gift card information to the scammer. They are told their product is in the mail, but nothing ever comes. They check their gift card balance and see no value remains. They have lost their $500. Then it clicks. The reason the scammer wouldn't accept Ken's credit card payment is because Ken could have challenged that charge, but with gift cards, it's different. Scammers have three preferred methods of payment, cash, wire transfer, and gift cards. Once a gift card is loaded, they take all the value off of it, leaving the buyer with no money and no product. Always beware when being asked to pay by gift card. It is likely a scam and you will not get your money back. If you believe you've been the victim of a scam, contact Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office by visiting ohioprotects.org. Well,
0: that's very, very interesting. Uh, Is there a lot of uh, gift card scams
1: Unfortunately, there's a lot. Um, People don't really think about gift cards as a payment method very often when you're dealing with either paying back a debt or paying someone for a new device or medication or something like that, you usually think about it to give to your niece or nephew. You think about it to give to your grandchildren as a gift, which is perfectly fine. If you're gonna use a money transfer service, a money card, a gift card for a family or friend, that's a perfectly reasonable transaction. But if it's someone you don't know, if it's a stranger asking you to pay in one of those methods or to pay with cash, then you know it's probably a scam. And we see a lot lot of people going to get gift cards. And really all the scammer needs is the pin number on the back to suck all the money out of that card from far away.
2: The Clarks are good at taking precautions to protect themselves from the pandemic. But when Ken Clark receives an unexpected call from someone offering him a new machine designed to kill the COVID virus, he's very interested. The caller offers to see if insurance will pay for the machine if Ken gives him his social security number. When insurance won't pay, The caller tells Ken he can give him a great deal on the machine if he acts immediately and pays with a gift card. Right away, there are some red flags that Ken might recognize as signs of a scam. If you're feeling pressured, or if something doesn't seem right, trust your instincts. Hang up. Beware of anyone demanding immediate upfront payment. Many times, scammers will pressure you to act immediately. Never pay in gift cards, cash, or a wire transfer, as those are scammers' favorite payment methods, since there's typically no way to get your money back. Always be wary of requests for personal information, especially your social security number. Don't always trust the number that appears on caller ID. And always remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. This is a year where staying safe is more important than ever. So protect yourself and your family. Watch out for scams, And if you suspect something, contact Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office by visiting ohioprotects.org.
1: Excellent advice. Absolutely. And um, when it comes to consumer protection, those are the kinds of tips that we give all across the state, not just for COVID-related scams, but for all scams.
0: Well, you know, in in subsequent uh, uh, telecasts, I'd like to go more into depth uh, not only what the uh, consumer protection section does, but also some of the other sections that are involved with the Attorney General Dave Yost. Uh, we're talking with Ryan Lippy. Ryan Lippy is a consumer educator, uh, consumer protection section with the Office of Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost. Brian, thank you very much for sharing your information. and Thanks, looking I look forward, forward to, to a- future visits. Great. I'm Patrick Dangle. Thank you for listening.